Hey, Cornerstone. Hey, just a big shout out to everybody that's at Santan and, and all of you that are at Scottsdale. And we're just so thrilled to have you be part of this service and all that's going on. And glad you're with us. Those of you that are at the Chandler campus, uh, hopefully by now you've had a chance to drive by. You've seen the dirt moving. How cool is that, man? I mean, it's, something's happening around here. And guys, I, I'm just going to say, I man, applause to all of you that are part of this, that are giving, that are that are being part of, of the Purple Chairs campaign. You're the ones making it possible for us to help raise up a generation that's better followers of Jesus than us. That it's all about helping us move forward in maturity here at this church and about getting our community to have a seat to come to the room and join us with. So guys, all of you that are part of this, man, you ought to just be out of your minds as you see your sacrifice showing up in dirt being moved, buildings that are going to get started. It's a cool time to be part of Cornerstone right now. Hey, uh, we're in a series. It's a series about David. It's a series that we're calling The Unlikely Story of a King. And today we're going to unpack the story of David and Goliath. You knew, you knew when we started this series, this was going to be one of the stories we had to talk about. It may be one of the greatest stories of all time. But guys, be very, very careful with this because we tell it so much to our children. I think we turn it into something that feels a little bit like a fairy tale. And guys, I'm just going to tell you, it was a real moment happening to real people. And it was an absolutely terrifying moment. And here's what I want us to come at this story with today and and maybe take a new uh, nugget of truth away is simply this. In the midst of this story, thousands and thousands and thousands of battle-hardened warriors are terrified by Goliath and run. One young man, and as best we can tell, probably a 15-year-old young man, young, young boy, gets it right, has the courage and the fortitude to go out and take the field with a giant. And here's the question I want us to get to the, at the end of the day is simply this. How does David get it right? When, when thousands around him are getting it wrong, how does David get this giant moment right? And here's why this is so critical to you and me. Because I promise you, every single one of us is going to face our Goliath. Every one of us is going to face a giant moment, probably multiple giant moments in our lives. And getting it right is huge because how you and I face the giants of our lives changes our lives. So what does David know that those other men standing next to him don't get? And as you and I figure this out, it gives you and me the capacity to face our own Goliaths. So grab your Bibles real quick. We want to go back and unpack this story. It's 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you're not familiar in Scripture, if you go to the front of your Bible and work to the right, you're going to find this book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's critical for you and I to note in this moment that the, the conversation we had last week where David is actually anointed king has already taken place. He's already been chosen before the Goliath incident. Matter of fact, uh, as you're going there, let me, let me give you a little bit of background. So again, go to the front of your Bible, work to the right, you're going to find First Samuel. Let me set it up while you're looking. So here's what's happening. 
The Philistines, who have been a long time, almost forever enemy of Israel, have a common practice of coming to Israel because they're bigger than Israel, stronger than Israel, have more resources than Israel, and basically they raid it on a fairly regular basis. They just come in, they steal the harvest, they rape and pillage the women, they do whatever they want to do, and then they head back home. It's kind of like a trip to Las Vegas. (laughs) All right. So, so, here come the Philistines. Uh, and the Israelites on this occasion say, look, we're going to take a stand. And so what happens is the two armies array themselves at the Valley of Elah. Uh, the Israelites standing on the top of this uh, hill and the Philistines on the top of this hill. And then they kind of yell insults at each other and, and uh, pull up their skirts or whatever they do. And then they run and they fight. It's, it's kind of like Braveheart. Okay? And that's what's going on in the moment. And, and in the midst of this... A giant shows up. We don't get all the details. We don't know if they were in the middle of the battle and all of a sudden someone looked across and this big old hulk of a man comes show. We don't know. But what we do know is simply this. That Goliath begins to issue a challenge. That he comes out every single day in the middle of the battle. And as soon as Goliath appears, all the Israelites who are fighting in the middle of the battle look up and they run for the hill. And then Goliath walks out to the middle of the valley of Elah. He stands there, issues curses at God. And guys, you don't have to take a lot of imagination to imagine what Goliath says about Israel and about the God of Israel. He's trying to rile him up. He, so he, he's going pretty low in the insults. But basically, the thing boiled down is he says this, Look, rather than us sitting here and slaughtering each other, I'm the champion of the Philistines. You find a champion over there. Send them down. Whoever wins, the other army becomes their slaves. There's no reason for us all to die. Let's just settle it here quickly. And actually, this is a fairly common event in ancient warfare. Because the reality is, it's much better to take all of the uh, opposing army's soldiers in as slaves than just to kill them off. At least this way you get a labor force. And so here's Goliath issuing the challenge. And guys, get this. This isn't a moment. He's done this for 40 days. Now, David is not at the battle. And the best we can get is because David's probably too young. Now, here's what you've got to consider in that. If David's too young to be at battle, and if in this culture it was common for a 16-year-old to be married... Then, then by all likelihood, David is in his early teens. At the most, he's probably 15. He's too young to be there with his brothers and to be part of the fight. His father, Jesse, comes to him and says, Hey, David, look, we haven't heard anything from your brothers in a long time. I don't even know if they're still alive. Here's what you do. Grab some loaves of bread. Grab a little bit of cheese. Go to the battle. That'll be your excuse for showing up. But the priority is... Go around the camp till you locate your brothers, find out if they're okay and how they're doing, and then come back and report to me what's going on. So David gets to the battle, and ironically, at the very moment that David gets there is the moment that Goliath shows up to spit his daily insults and issue his daily challenge. That's where we join in. And again, guys, here's what we're going to unpack. Here's here's what we're going to unfold in the midst of this. David's response is absolutely different than the thousands of men standing next to him. 
David's response is the right response. But what does this 15-year-old know? What does he understand? What is it that brought, has brought in a 15-year-old boy to the point of seeing and understanding and being more available to God than the thousands of men standing around him? How does David slay his giant? Because you and I will face our own giants. So here we go. It's 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. I'm just going to encourage you, keep your finger there. We're going to come back to this chapter of the Bible several, multiple times. You're, you're going to want to have it available. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. It's 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's David showing up right at that moment when Goliath uh, presents himself. And it says, as he was talking with them, as David is talking to his brothers, he's located them, they're okay. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. And then David goes, whoa, 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 what? David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? And removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? You get that David, think about this, David seen exactly the same thing that thousands of men standing on either side of him have seen for 40 days. This is David's first look. Comes up with a completely different answer than the full-grown, battle-hardened men who stood on that line with him. And guys, here's why this answer is so important for you and I to get to. Because I guarantee you, every one of us in this room is going to have our own Goliaths. There are going to be moments that you're going to be standing at the Valley of Elah, and Goliath is going to take the field, and what you do next will change the course of your life. Every one of us will face our own Goliaths. It it may be that moment when your marriage goes so far south that you sit in a moment and say, I believe it is unrepairable. There's nothing that beats this giant. Could be the moment when your daughter sits you and your spouse down and says, I'm pregnant. And the father wants nothing to do with it. And you think to yourself in that moment, I mean, this, this is a life changing, forever changing giant. I mean, her life will never be the same. Our lives will never be the same. It may be that moment when you lose the job and nobody's hiring and you're watching the bank account sink every single month. It may be the young lady who's getting up a little bit in years and now she's got the one guy she knows is the guy that God would never want her to marry. He doesn't know her Jesus. He's not following her Jesus, but he's the only guy asking. And in that moment, the most reasonable thing to do with her giant would be marry the guy. 
It may be the moment the doctor comes back and says, cancer. But I'm just telling you, every one of us will face our own Goliath. And what you and I do in that moment will change the course of our lives. It's why it is so critical that you and I understand how David is able to go out to that field and do what he does when thousands of his contemporaries can't get off the hill. So what is that? What is it that's brought David to a different place in his life? How is it that this 15-year-old young man stands in that moment and lives that moment so spectacularly well when his contemporaries fail? And here, here we are for this. Here's what you and I are going to discover. It has everything to do with the fact that up until this moment, you ready? Up until this moment when the giant appears, David has been faithful to what God has already given him to do. Now, you and I go, oh, that's a lousy. I mean, that's just, there's no, that just doesn't sound sexy at all. It doesn't sound fun. I mean, faithful, that's, that's a faithful. Yeah. The thing that has gotten David ready for when the giant appears is that he has lived every moment faithful. Guys, here's what you got to get. When the giant comes, he will be absolutely terrified. You, you will be out of your mind with fear. And if you haven't learned the lesson, if you haven't prepared yourself for the giant, you'll do exactly what everybody in Israel is doing. You'll be running for the hill. Let, let me see if I can give you a sense of what those guys were facing. Any, anybody in the room five foot six? Anybody in the room five foot six? Okay. All right. Is there a guy that's five foot six? That'll, that'll be better. Is there a guy who's five foot six in the room? Any men in the room five foot six? All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Anybody in the room six foot six? Oh, ah, come on, six foot six. All right, here we go. All right, all right. So we're going to do this. Ha <laughs> ha. What's your name? Tim. Tim, all right. Tim, you get to be David. What's your name? AC. AC. All right. As in AC Green, AC Caswell, AC Alternating Current. Okay, all right. Five foot six. Five foot six is the height of the average man in Israel during this period of time. Matter of fact, that might even be on the high side. Full-grown man, Israel, five foot six, which here's what you got to ask. If David is a young teen, is he even five foot six yet? Okay. Saul. Saul, the Bible tells us, is head and shoulders above the average man in Israel. He's, he is a hulk of a man as far as Israel concerned. You're Saul. Okay. So here's what I'm just going to say, Tim. Mm-hmm. Okay, David. Here's the deal. If I'm laying bets, if, if you guys are about to do battle, okay, I, I think you would be valiant. I'm just putting my money somewhere else. Okay, I, that's that's just what I'm doing in the moment. Here's the perspective of Goliath. You ready? Here's what the Bible says about Goliath. Goliath, Goliath is six cubits and a span. Okay? Here's how you measure a cubit. I'm not fighting you. All right. There you go. A cubit is from the tip of the finger to the elbow. That's a cubit. So, you know, somewhere around 16, 17, something like that. That's a cubit. Goliath is six cubits 
and a span. Here's what a span is. A span is the distance between your two fingertips when you spread them. That's a span. Six cubits and a span. That's how guy Goliath is. Now, here's the question. Who's cubit? Because everybody different sizes during cubit. Chances are, because the culture was, you measured a cubit by the king's arm. That way the merchant can have a little stubby arm and go, oh, hey, here's your six cubits of cloth, right? You measured it by the king's arm. Saul is six foot six. There's the cubit. Six cubits and a span. If instead you take the smaller cubit, the average man-sized cubit, not the Saul cubit. You ready for how big Goliath is? This is the very least that Goliath is. Now fill him out. Andre the giant, fill him out. And you realize he is a massive man. But you realize chances are he's taller than this because it's probably Saul's cubit. And he's still another foot up. We are talking massive man. As a matter of fact, think about this. Typically, the, the span of somebody's arms is somewhat equivalent to their height, which means the span of Goliath's arms is prob. How do you get close to that guy? He's going, Wah! before you even get near him. This guy's a hulk. Why do you think Saul is trembling in his boots at the idea of going against Goliath? Here's what you need to know. I promise you, I promise you in your Goliath moments, in the moment when this huge thing comes to your life that's unexpected, you said, I would have never planned this, this is not what I would have done. When that moment comes, you're going to be tempted to do exactly what the children of Israel did, what every one of those soldiers did. You know why they're terrified? Because they look at their six or five foot six frame. And they look at Goliath, who is probably pushing 10 feet, and go, there is not a chance. There's no way with my capacity, with my abilities, there's not a shot that I win this battle. And they run. Running, taking the easiest way out in your Goliath moment will always lead to defeat. It's what we can't do in that moment. All right, hey, thank these guys, man. Thank you guys for doing that. That was hard work. Woo! All right. How does David get to the other side? How does David stand in that moment and go, hey, whoa, 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 fighting the giant is obvious. I mean, why wouldn't you? And here's what he is. David has learned this lesson by being faithful in every single moment that he has lived leading up to the giant. So here's, here's what you got to get them. You can't wait for the giant to decide what you're going to do when the giant comes. 
You can't, you can't wait for the giant and say, hey, I'm suddenly going to grow up and understand and, and get more mature and you'll be running. David is ready because up until this moment, he has lived every assignment that God has given him with such faithfulness. And in the midst of that, he's been prepared for when the giant would show up. It's why he has a completely different answer than those around him. So here's what we're going to get. Ready? David's faithfulness. David's faithfulness has been the place in which God has prepared his confidence. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles again real quick. Go back. It's 1 Samuel. Chapter 17, verse 34. Here's David. He's now gone to Saul. says, Saul, I'll take him. Send me out after that giant. He won't know what hit him. And Saul goes, you're crazy, kid. There's no chance. And listen, ready, 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 ready. Listen to a 15-year-old's response who's learned something about God by being faithful to the assignment God gave him. Here it is. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 34. But David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Think about that. Keeping his father's sheep. You see, here's what David say, because see, that's what God gave me to do. That, that was the assignment God left me with. And guys, to understand this moment, to understand what he just said to you is, I took whatever God put in front of me and said, hey, do this. And I, I just did that with all of my heart and the best I can do. But guys, you got to hear what you get. Taking care of the sheep in, in this culture, it's like mowing the lawn. It's like going in the backyard and pooper scooping the dog poop. That, that's, that's what this assignment, I mean, it, there's, there's nothing glamorous about it. It's just, it is about, it's about as bottom rung as you could possibly be. I'm going to be, I'm taking care of the sheep. And think about this for a moment. The chapter before this, David is anointed king. I don't know about you, but if I had been anointed king, the chapter before, I'm saying to dad, when he says, hey, go take care of the sheep, I'm going, what? You know who you're talking to? I, I'm the next king. I mean, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there's nothing I can learn taking care of sheep that's going to help me be a better king. I mean, how in the world will this ever train me for anything? How will this, how does this even make sense? Shouldn't I be taking like King 101 lessons or something? You know, shouldn't I be learning how to walk like a king, you know? How does this prepare me for that? Guys, this is critical. Because you and I have had this same conversation with God, right? We've said, no, 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 no. No, I I, I know you want me to serve. I I know you do, but I'm busy. And, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, there are others who have more time. And, you know, I I don't see where serving is going to help me at all in my Christian walk. I mean, I don't. How's that going to prepare me? For giants. See, some of us know that God has asked us to 
start attending maturity venues and to go to small groups or to go to small churches or to come to the mine or a men's or a women's. And we're going, well, look, 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 look. You know, if God, if you were asking me to do something really, really big, I mean, you know, I'd be up for that. But I mean, let's just be honest. This feels pretty pedantic. I mean, this just Bible study. Bible study. I'm, I'm just, not, I'm just not sure I get it. And what you're going to discover, what we're going to discover. It is David's very faithfulness to the assignment that God has given. Tend the sheep. That's actually going to be leveraged by God to prepare him for when Goliath comes. And that if he, if he in his arrogance and his pride had said, look, I'm just not, I'm just not. He would have never learned what he needed to learn to be prepared for the moment that was going to come. Watch this. Ready? Here's David's answer to Saul. Saul, here's how come I'm ready. See, here's the deal. I've been faithful in my faith, in the midst of my faithfulness, in the midst of me doing the assignment that God gave me that I didn't want the assignment. I didn't understand why God gave me the assignment. And it felt so below me in the midst of my faithfulness. You ready? God has prepared me for this guy. Here it is. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of God. And on first blush, you go, whoa, whoa, well, David, you're just telling me you're a great warrior. You're telling me that in your capacity, because you killed a lion and you killed a bear, that you're capable of doing this. But read the rest. Watch what David does. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And then Saul says to David, well, go. God be with you. I mean, if that's how you're thinking, good luck with that one. But you get the moment. God, David said, look, 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 look. You're looking at the wrong thing, Saul. You're looking at five foot six, 15-year-old David. That's not what this is about. This is about God is with me. And here's what David learns in this moment as he's being faithful to tending the sheep. The last job that a kingly candidate wants. But he's being faithful. He's doing it with all of his heart. He's learned not to measure giants by the height of the giant. Compared to his own personal ability. See, look, me beating the bear had nothing to do with me being stronger than the bear. Me beating the lion had nothing to do with me being more ferocious than the lion. I beat the bear and the lion because God, who is bigger than the lion and the bear, was with me. And David has learned to measure his problems, not by the size of his problems, but by the size of his God. It's a completely different way of viewing life. Here's, here's an interesting thing. You ready for this? Remember we said Goliath was six cubits and a span. Remember? Six cubits and a span. In Isaiah, and I'll just read this for you real quick. It's Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. Here's what it says. You ready for this? This is so cool. Who has measured the waters 
in the hollow of his hand. In other words, who has measured the oceans in the palm of his hand or the breadth of his hand? Ready? That word for breath. The span of his fingers. The span of his fingers marked off the heavens. Guess what David knows? My God from pinky to thumb. (laughs) Bigger than that guy. Bigger than that guy. And guess where he learns it? By being faithful to the assignment God has given. And in that faithfulness. Okay, I'll teach that class. Okay, I'll show up to serve. Okay, I'll give when giving doesn't make... Okay, okay. In the faithfulness of the assignment... He's learned how to deal with the giant. Second thing. Here's what David understands. Faithfulness is the path to promotion. Faithfulness is the path to promotion. It's when you and I say, God, I, I don't know why you gave me this assignment. It's not what I would choose to do. I don't know that I see value in reading the Bible every day. I don't know that I see value in serving. I don't know. But I know what's the assignment you gave. I don't know why you gave me a handicapped child. I don't know why you gave me the marriage you gave me. I don't know. But I'm going to be faithful in the assignment you gave me. Because the assignment you gave me and doing this with all of my heart and serving you well is the path to promotion. It's the path to you using me in greater ways. Matter of fact, Jesus says exactly the same thing. Grab your Bibles and go with me. Don't miss this, guys. Go with me to Luke. Luke chapter 16. Again, if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the last, you're going to find... This is Jesus. Get this. This is Jesus talking about the criticalness of faithfulness in little things. See, you and I hate to be faithful in little things because we don't understand how little things help. Or how do little things pay off? And Jesus says, no, 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 you've got this exactly wrong. It's what you do with little things that shows what you'll do in big things. If you can't handle lions and bears, you'll never handle Goliaths. Here we go. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Here's what Jesus says about faithfulness. You ready? Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? With things that really matter. If you get all hung up on money, God says, why would I trust you with something that was really important? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And you get in this moment, Jesus says, look, 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 here's what you got to get. Being faithful with whatever assignment you've been given so far is the key to having greater assignment, to having greater promotion. I guarantee you, every person in this room who has experienced multiple, multiple promotions in your life and has been highly successful, you already know this principle. You know that the reason you were promoted is that whatever assignment you were given, whether that was janitor, whether that was line worker, whatever that was, you decided to do that with all of your heart and better than your peers. And your supervisor seeing that moment said, we can't afford not to promote them. I guarantee you, every person in this room who's sitting here today wondering, hey, how come I haven't been promoted? How come I never move up? It's because there are seven people on the line who are doing their job better than you. 
You haven't been faithful. You haven't said, hey, look, I'm going to take whatever assignment God gives me. I'm going to do this with all of my heart. I'm going to do this better than all of my peers. Because faithfulness is the path to promotion. What you and I do in the little things changes everything. It's when you and I say, okay, I, I'm going to read my Bible. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I, I mean, let's just be honest. There's days you read your Bible and you go, if I hear one more time that Eliaz begot, blah, blah. I don't know how this pays off. That's not the question. Were you faithful? Did you take what God put in your hand and did you live that out well? Because you realize part of following God is putting small step after small step. Okay, I'm going to serve. I don't, you know, I don't know. And, and I got to be honest, where they got me serving right now is not my favorite place. And boy, it surely isn't equal to my title. You, you want to hear something really interesting? On our parking lot, on our parking lot, those people you flipped off when you pulled in today, on our parking lot. Did you know that we have executive level men over steel companies and over banks serving as parking attendants? Tell me that's not beneath them. What are those guys doing? They're being faithful to the assignment that they've been given. So they're doing. And what they understand is that, hey, being faithful with what I'm given gives me the opportunity to be given more. Being faithful with what I'm given prepares me for when the giant shows up. Guys, here's what you just need to know. This, this is, this, the, if you don't get anything else from the room, if it, this, no other moment catches you. Faithfulness is the prerequisite for greatness. Having taken whatever it is that God has placed in your hands, whatever assignment he's asked you to have, whatever he's commissioned, being faithful with that is the prerequisite to living great moments in great ways. You realize the battle of David and Goliath was won before David even showed up that day. It was won because he was prepared by his faithfulness. Matter of fact, think about this, guys. Think about this. If David, if David hadn't been faithful being a shepherd boy and doing exactly what he was asked, if David wasn't faithful in the moment in which his father said, Hey, David, I know you want to be a battle. I know it kind of grates your heart the wrong way that you're not there. I, I, I get it. But here's the deal. Take this loaf of bread, take this cheese, give it to your brothers, and then come back and tell me how they are. Do you realize if David hadn't been faithful to what appeared in the moment to be a lowly assignment, David wouldn't have even been there that day to kill Goliath if he hadn't been busy being faithful. How different does that story turn out if David's at home pouting over having to watch the sheep? Says, Dad, you want cheese delivered, you deliver it. I, I, faithfulness sets him up for greatness. It's amazing because when David gets to this moment, this moment's already done for him. This moment has no doubt for him. This, this moment is a layup for him. Matter of fact, let me read you this last passage. 
It's back in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let, let me read to you how David goes out to meet Goliath. Here's what he says. It's 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. Listen to these words coming from the mouth of a 15-year-old to a 10-foot giant. Listen to the confidence to face what other men feared and trembled in. And then listen for the lessons that he's learned in faithfulness. Here it is. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you defied. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward him. How crazy is that? Toward the battle line to meet him and reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David's triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. And he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw this, that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. David won the battle before he ever showed up. Because he'd learned the lessons that only come with faithfulness. So here's my question. Here's my question. How many things? How many little pedantic things that you go, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. I know how to be more faithful in my church attendance. I know, I know. I know I, I, know I should be reading my Bible daily. I, I know, I know, I know. I know I should be serving. I know I should be giving. I know. It's just not real convenient right now. I, I don't get the payoff. This is like a fourth grader doing algebra. I don't need it. You get that it's the faithfulness in what God has asked you to do that prepares you for the giant. That sets you up for promotion in the kingdom. It's what makes your answer about the giant different than everybody else's. It's how you win the battle before the giant even shows up. And I'm saying, how powerful today would it be? Look, look, look. I'm not going to ask you to do it all. What, what if you simply went down the list and said, look, I, I know. I got three or four things. I, I can put them on my Things that I know God's been asking me that involve just being faithful, just doing what he's asked me to do. And I've been neglecting them all. What if you just went after one? What if you left this room and just said, God, I'm, I'm going to be faithful with that. I'm going to be faithful in my Bible reading. I'm going to be faithful in my giving. I'm going to be faithful. 
you'd have taken a step. You'd be that much more ready for the giant. And I get, I get it. Some of you go, Lynn, I've already had the giant show up and I blew it last. That's okay. That's okay. Because you already know it's probably not the last giant. So let's get ready for the next one. Let's give a totally different answer when the next one shows up. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus. We help us to get this moment. Help us to get that David had won the battle before he even got to the battle. That it was his faithfulness to the assignment that you had given. Even in his heart when he knew he was supposed to be king, that he was willing to be a shepherd. It was in those shepherd moments of his life that you brought the lion and the bear. That you prepared him for his Goliath. God, help us. Help us to live our shepherd moments. Help us to say, look, I... I, this isn't the assignment I'd want. I, it, it, it feels, it, it, it feels a little bit beneath. And instead, say, you know what? This is what God has given. This is what God has required of me, and I'm choosing in this moment to be found faithful. I'm going to do this with all my heart. I'm going to completely invest in this, so that I'm ready for promotion. So that I'm ready when the next giant shows up in my life. God, raise up some Davids in the room. In Jesus' name, amen.